Hello friends and welcome to your midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. We rotate the squad and we go again and we go from the ridiculous to the sublime. Mark Heath, Andy Warren here. After Monday's pod and that what can only be described as an extraordinary introduction from Mike Bacon, he was brought in by USADA for drug testing. He's since, I'm afraid, friends, tested positive for excess levels of caffeine and dangerous levels of Haribo Tang Fastics, which means he unfortunately has had to be suspended until his B sample comes back. We'll, we'll take that as it comes. Stuart Watson's had to take three days off just to recover from that intro. And Ross was so affected by it, he's flown to Dublin, where he's currently getting right on it with the lads. So it's just me and Hutchie today, the best two. Let's be honest. And Hutchie, we've already spent two hours together in a trading uh, yeah. session this morning. How are you? Yeah, we have, haven't we? Um, yeah, we we weren't talking to each other very much during this this training session, but we were we were looking at each other. I've been looking forward to doing this podcast as a bit of an antidote to to that. Really, very important training. Don't get me wrong, but um, did it need to be two hours long? Probably not. Um, we'll pack a lot more into this hour than than we did in the last two. Um, is this the first time we've ever done a full-on EFL Trophy squad rotation? Literally nobody from, from I think the previous it is. podcast is appearing on this one. I think it is. I always like these because they're a throwback to the lockdown tapes, aren't they? Those strange few months in, in 2020, more than two years ago now, where we just basically spoke to each other from our rooms for <laughs> pretty much the whole of the kind of spring slash summer. Um, often while well, I'd forgotten to put, plug my microphone in and things like that. Hopefully, we've come a long way since then in terms of audio quality, etc. Also, friends, a little peek behind the curtain. Me and Hutchie on this training this morning. Um, Hutchie's sipping from a mug, to which I immediately react, WhatsApp him, saying, you don't drink hot drinks, that must be a bovril. No, friends, it's hot chocolate and marshmallows at 10am in the morning. Andy Warren, you live your life like P. Diddy. Roasts at lunchtime, baths in the afternoon, hot chocolate and marshmallows at 10am. Roasts at lunchtime might have to be knocked on the head. My, I went to my, uh, went to my mum's for a roast, uh, roast dinner on on Sunday, and her little smart meter thing told her that the cost of having the other oven on to cook a roast was nineteen quid. What? I think there's probably an error there, but but nineteen quid to cook a roast. If if that's worth, I, I know things are going the wrong way, but if it's nineteen quid to do an oven roast, the old midday roast is going to have to be the daily roast. Will have to be knocked on the head. I think has she has she got an arga? They're famously uh, inefficient. Well, no, um, no. I think there must there must be some kind of error because it can't be costing you nineteen quid to do a roast. But um, strange times we live in, Mark. These are Indeed. these are the conversations we're having. Indeed, and there's a lot of conversations we're going to have today. There's a lot to talk about, despite the fact that town obviously haven't played since the weekend. There's a lot to to get through. Uh, and number one with a bullet, just judging by the amount of chat there's been on social media, and in particular to a something I put out yesterday, um, had a record response, is, of course, the news, Andy, that Ipswich Town are going to wear their their new and rather jazzy special black kits, the blackout kit designed by Ed Sheeran, the third kit, against Derby County at home a week on Friday. Um, a lot of passionate views either side of the debate. Uh, we're going to get into that shortly. I should also apologise for Benson snoring behind me. He's on the bed... Uh, I am going to mute as much as possible. But shall we dive into this debate, Hutchie, with, with your opening thoughts on it? It's definitely split opinion, hasn't it? Um, and I, I think I've surprised 
I probably felt surprised at my own thoughts on this because I I think initially I probably assumed that I would feel passionately, passionately one way or the other about this, but I don't know if I I don't know if I do, Mark. I I have a they Ipswich should wear blue at home. That I I think they should wear blue shirts at home. That's that's the way things are. Um, But this doesn't it doesn't. It doesn't anger me like I thought I I might. I'm not yearning for the tradition as I thought I might. Although I, I think there's a there's a part of me that would would much rather that the the circumstance of of wearing an away kit at home came sort of linked to charity or some kind of statement against something or some kind of commemoration of something. Just as an example, if if you know, obviously Man United were born out of Newton Heath Football Club, they wore green and yellow. Wearing I know that's got a bit of a different meaning at Man United these days, but if they wore green and yellow at home to mark a special anniversary, fine with that. This black shirt is a, a little bit a little bit different. It's not it's not any of those things, but it doesn't it doesn't stress me. It doesn't it doesn't stress me out. It, it, it's a nice kit. I think that the niceness of it is is sort of the example of that. It's just how many people have bought it, but um, doesn't doesn't stress me like I thought it it might. Although I do think Ipswich should wear blue at home. See, I assumed that you'd be bang up for having a row about this. So uh, did uh, I. So did I. But I, I am. I, it is what it is. I've. I, that's what's come out of me. Before I get to my opinions, I'm going to read out some thoughts from the fans, uh, the the listeners that um, I got from yesterday. There was a lot, more than a hundred responses I got, which is, I think, some sort of record. Um, two things. My concern is what Derby are going to wear because obviously their home kit is is white with black shorts with some black on the top. Their away kit is actually black, very similar actually if you look at it to to Town's third kit. And their, their third kit is like a dark maroon. So you can't really have a dark maroon and a black kit, I wouldn't th- say at the same time. Clearly they can't wear their away kit, that's black. So they're going to have to wear the home kit, which has got elements of black in it, black shorts, etc. Um, so I don't know how that's going to look in terms of differentiating between the two sides, are there going to be issues there? And also, what's the ref going to wear? Oh, the ref, the refs, the ref have got some great kits this season. There's a there's a purple one that I love. The ref kits that they but the, the refs have started wearing orange this year, which I've never seen a ref wearing orange before. Don't don't worry about the refs; they'll be they'll be fine. I'd I'd hope Derby might have some white shorts knocking about. Maybe that would look that would look great. I think all black against all white would be great. Although there is a large amount of black on the Derby kit. Um, but yeah, that's got to be a, a concern because going back to the Plymouth game, I've, I've the Plymouth game recently. I really struggled with the with the Ipswich and the Plymouth kits that day in terms of just quickly flitting between players. They obviously are very different kits, but it is an issue. Um, but I'm sure that's all been that's all been thought through that side of it anyway. Have you seen Derby's keeper kit? By the way, it's basically the same as as Ipswich Town's kit. Obviously, both mm. Umbro manufactured, so clearly similarities there. Once you get that out of the way, then let's let's take a few thoughts about the actual idea of wearing a, a third kit at home. Um, I'll, I'll do a cross section. So Sam Williams says, "What would people think if they turned on Sky and saw Liverpool playing at home in a black kit? They'd think there's another ugly example of modern football." In Wallbank agrees. He says, "Any other fans saw a big club do it, they would call them greedy. Yet we're defending this. We don't need to be in quotes that club." There is never a reason to change kit at home, whether it be for money or some tribute slash uh, social agenda. 
Uh, Matt making, I'm not keen. I'm worried it sets a precedent. And when we do it once, why not again? Mm. I'm not for tradition for tradition's sake, but some things are sacred. And for me, Ipswich playing in blue and white at home is one of them. That being mm. said, I'm sure I'll get over it eventually. Take a couple more. Mark Beck, the game day posse, not overly fussed. It's clearly the best commercial opportunity to wear it now. It's on general sale. Under the previous ownership, I'd probably be annoyed as the club and community wouldn't see the financial benefits. Mm. Extra dosh can help grow the club and continue good work locally. There's a couple of good ones from, here we go, our old friend Bono. Mm. says, my hot take, traditional home colours should always be worn where possible. It's the principle. It matters. Mm. History and heritage should be celebrated and preserved. And then in contrast, his friend from the, the most recent game day video, Matthew mm. Worrell. Matthew Worrell says, doesn't matter whatsoever. It's just 11 blokes kicking a bag of wind about a pit about the pitch. People need to get a grip. So there's there's real good points made on both sides. I've got to say, I can understand why where people come from saying town should be playing in, in blue at home. I haven't got a problem with it. If it was for the rest of the season, that's more of an issue. For one game, with the, the commercial kind of possibilities behind it, that's part of football, isn't it? Um, now, your merchandise, selling kits, etc., um, is a huge part of football. What's most important, surely, is the badge, not the colour of the shirt. For, for a one-off game um, and they'll be representing Ipswich Town on Sky in a particularly popular kit. I haven't got a problem with it at all. I like it. Um, but I can understand both sides of the debate. So you're saying on the balance of probabilities, you're saying probably more anti? Yeah. Yeah, probably but without without fire and brimstone behind it. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the commercial opportunities are now at this point. I think they've 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 sold a lot of them. I don't know how many more they are going to sell. I quite like what I do quite like about it is that we're, we're talking about eleven more than eleven thousand people have bought this kit, and it, and this does at least mean that a lot of those people that have bought it are going to get to see the team wear it, which um, which I think is great because with, with third kits there there isn't. I don't think there is a game this season where Ipswich needs to wear this kit because. There aren't any teams in the league that wear red uh, and blue, as far as I can think, um, that where it would definitely need to wear a third kit. They have to wear it, given how many people have bought it. That's fair. Um, and I do quite like that in a stadium that's going to be the best best part of 30,000 people in it, um, a lot of the people that have bought it are, are going to get, the see, get to see the team wear it, rather than wearing it, say, away at, I don't know, um, away at Exeter when a thousand people will be there um, and get to see it. So I think, I think that's great. Um, I, I don't think it's a great precedent to set that just that, that we're wearing it at home because it's really popular. Um, it's an away kit, Ipswich wear blue and, that, and that's probably where I fall on it. But um and it, and it's not like this is a one off a one off kit that's got some special meaning behind it. I know that Ed, obviously Ed Sheeran's involved in the design of it, and that in itself is special in lowercase letters. But it is not not massively special. <laughs> um, but I, I do like that a lot of people that have bought it are going to get to see the team the team wear it. Um, that that's probably the the saving saving grace of it for me i think it's also going to look really good under under the lights it's got like a sort of sheen to it hasn't it which i, yeah. I reckon would look really nice on under the lights that you could make an argument that the ideal one when they could have worn it was the uh the game after the queen died uh yeah which was, the, was it bristol rovers the first game back after that uh which yeah which was a home game that would have been a you know a logical way of 
paying tribute to the Queen and, and you know, there were black armbands worn that night. They could have worn the black kit then. Um, but for a one-off game or even two games, I haven't got a problem with it. Clearly, if it was if it was more, that would be an issue. But we're in we're in the, ga- the great game of, of football and sport, aren't we? And so much of that is about merchandise and bringing eyes to your products and stuff. Um, and I don't think we can afford to be kind of sniffy about that. That is part of the part of the sport and part of the part of the game is, is getting money in through merchandise. And I know you say, yes, it's already sold a lot of shirts, but it's also going to be on, on view to a, a, a much wider audience than just Ipswich Town. You've got the Ed Sheeran element to it as well, which no doubt they'll be talking about as, as the game's covered. Um, so for me, I can understand why people have an issue with it, but I, for me, I haven't got a problem with it at all. I, what What this game needs now to add a layer of justification would be a halftime show from Ed from Ed Sheeran um that he's al- he's already do- he's already hung out on the cornhill on the steps there play playing his guitar um maybe do a halftime show and take oh. uh, and make it Ed Sheeran night I've, I've I've I went over last time last time I went to America I went to a basketball game in in Brooklyn and it was um uh bobblehead night and I got a little bobblehead um Little bobblehead figure. Let's make it Ed Sheeran. Go the whole hog. Um, no, it, it, this. It, I, I think at a base level, I think Ipswich should wear it. Should wear blue at home, but I, I don't. It doesn't provoke huge, huge anger in me that they're not. They're not going to be. Just don't. Just don't do it. Don't do this regularly. I think you can almost guarantee that Sheeran will be there, can't you? I mean, he's just done a. He's just done a show on the steps of the town hall in Ipswich. Um, the first time they wear his shirt on national TV, international TV, surely there's going to be a good bet that he is there. I'm not sure about halftime show though, Hutchie. Um, well, we pretty stuff. much get a pre-match show because it's there's a lot of Ed Sheeran. Maybe not so much these days, but a lot of it gets played uh, played pre-match. So uh, maybe just by just by way of moving on, I thought the best comment was from uh, Liam Hannon, who says, "I'd rather we wore blue at home as it's tradition." but appreciate a commercial decision that's in the long-term interest of the club. And he says, two, it's possible to have differing views and not attack the other side. A fan base United is stronger. Chill peeps, which I think is, is definitely worth remembering in this very divisive, divided society where it seems to be now you can't have one view without attacking the other side for their view. You're right, they're wrong. There's no kind of middle ground. There's no debate about it. Um, it's very black yeah. and white. Um, and I think that's always worth remembering. in the In the spirit and fun of talking about football. That's all we're talking about here, friends. It's not important. In the grand scheme of things, town wear black at home doesn't matter. There are far more important things in the world to be worried about than that. So um, that's what I would say as a way of moving on. Am I wrong? I think that's the conversation I've had in my own head. But yeah. I, I, I have differing views in my own head. I have not attacked myself. Um, yeah, I, I think that's quite a good way of approaching life. Really, doesn't it? We don't don't have to attack other people who who have differing views about, especially about football shirts. Um, let's crack on. Yeah, let's move on. Um, something else we we've done this week, actually, I did uh, put up yesterday, which is I found really interesting. There's been bits of tweets and stuff going on about town's average home attendance, how it compares to other sides in the country and across Europe. Um, so I thought I'd meant to be doing it for a long time, but I finally got time to do it. Go and track down the actual stats for average home attendances in the Premier League, the Championship, League One, and across all the top European leagues. And Ipswich Town come out incredibly well in that. They are 
on course for an almost 20-year high in terms of average home attendance, which is tremendous. At the moment, it's the highest it's been since the 2004-2005 season, over 25,000 a game. And even you stack it up against all the other teams in this country, they come out as 21st, just below Norwich. Um, and I think you could argue, I think it's actually going to be fact. In fact, after Lincoln and after Derby, those two home games, which are both going to be clearly over 27, 28,000, maybe even 29 for Derby, um, they would go above Norwich, which is amazing. And not only that, they're ahead of multiple other sides in the top tiers in Europe. They get more fans, for example, than someone like Sampdoria or Espanyol, Villarreal. Um, it's incredible. And it's just a reminder, again, of how big this football club is and how much potential there is, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, it is. Um, and just a, a, the power of, of what doing well on the pitch can do. I think obviously there are some some anom- anomalies in there in like obviously Bournemouth have been in the Premier League in recent years in their small smaller stadium there are teams like that who have who have risen up while Ipswich have gone down um Ipswich have allowed a lot of these teams to kind of get ahead of them in the pecking order um in recent in recent years which is why Ipswich are in league 1 and why and why sort of seeing them ahead of so many championship teams is quite stark um they're doing well at the moment, which is, I guess, why you can see teams like Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich, Derby in League in League One, um, up up above loads of Championship teams. Look at where Ipswich were at attendance-wise as a bobbing mid-table Championship side, sort of eighteen thousand. That's um, there are a lot of teams in that in that boat, but there are also a lot of teams that do not have the fan base and the support that Ipswich have got, and it's great that that the way things are going for the club right now is dragging so many of those supporters back to the club. Um, club in really good health. English football is is a, a pyramid that's that's like no other um, in terms of strength of clubs, which is which is huge in terms of the list you've said there with some of the European European um, European clubs who aren't attended as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's just great, isn't it? It just feels like proper proper games of football in proper arenas at the moment. Just in terms of adding some detail there, so the only side that have a better average home attendance in League One is, as you might expect, Derby County, then Town, then Sheffield Wednesday. So Town have got a better average home crowd than all but three of the championship sides, Sunderland over 38,000, Sheffield United 28,000, and Norwich 25, almost 26,000, just slightly above Town. And it's even better than four Premier League sides, the aforementioned uh, Bournemouth, Brentford, Fulham, and Crystal Palace. But then when you compare it to the European leagues, it's better than 14 sides in the Dutch top league, the Eredivisie, 13 sides in Serie A, 13 sides in Ligue 1, 12 sides in La Liga, and even two sides in the Bundesliga, which is like the kind of A, a standard, isn't it, in terms of fan attendance yeah. for the top league, um, which is amazing. The other thing I was slightly surprised about, Hutchie, on a, on a different note, when I was putting together the top English attendances so far this season, Man United top, 73,000. Second place, it's only those bloody hammers, isn't it? 62,000 average attendance. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, um, they've only recently been able to have that many in the stadium. They, uh, the, the full amount of the, the London stadium isn't, isn't kind of open to West Ham. They've kind of gradually taken it up and up by, by licensing. So they've, I think they've had another couple of thousand added in on, on license this year to take it up to 62 and they're, they're selling it out. They've, um, they're finally, sort of embracing that as their home it's it 
they're good match days down there. They're really well, really well supported, and the, the stadium is becoming more and more a West Ham stadium rather than a converted athletics stadium. So, yeah, um, a very well, very well supported club. If you're watching on video, assuming this video does go out, you may see me leaning from side to side, time to time, clapping in the air, and that's to try and keep Benson awake because I'm aware that he's snoring. Once once it starts, can be somewhat off-putting, and it's bothering me, I've got to say, as I'm talking. It's throwing me off my train of thought, which is why I keep muting. I'm trying to keep the boy awake. He's lazy, unfortunately. <laughs> um, let's move on from attendances. That's tremendous, really, really good, really interesting stuff. Um, you had a really interesting chat with uh, with someone behind the scenes at Ipswich Town, which I like. I like this kind of stuff we're able to do with people who maybe aren't in the in the spotlight, um, the players we speak to obviously once a week and the manager, but more kind of building this behind the scenes background stuff. You had a chat with a man who is an absolute tank, um, Rene Gilmartin, the goalkeeper's coach. You want to tell us a bit more about that, Hutchie? Mm, first time I'd ever met Rene. He's a, he's a big man. I'm not a big man. So that's always me me interacting with goalkeepers is always um interesting but once we sit down we're on the same level and it's great um but um yeah I'd really really interesting hour with Rennie on on Tuesday um talked about all sorts talked about his goalkeepers talked about his journey to to Ipswich it, I, I found that really interesting he he's 35 now um has been coaching for a few a few years this is his first kind of out and out club goalkeeping coach role but but it's pretty clear he he had his mind on this since he was 20 he, he talks about not trusting football and thinking that he'd fall out of the game at the end of every contract that he got um doesn't miss playing one bit um because he didn't play enough he's uh i think he only made 130 odd appearances over 17 years as a backup keeper and um listening to the detail just it, that's what struck me the most the detail that goes into everything i think we we hear the players talking about um Kieran McKenna give, brings us detail that we've never had uh, anywhere else in our careers. And to hear that kind of coming, the, the level of that detail coming from Rennie, the goalkeeping goalkeeping coach and what, what he gives his keepers. Um, it's a reminder of where football is. It's all, it, he spends way more time in front of his laptop than he does on the training pitch. That's where that's where the work comes in. And I, I found that really interesting, um, just how much, how much detail he is putting in and then giving out to his to his goalkeepers along the way. I really like the story, if you can just share it, Hutchie, about um, the influence of, of Chinese diving, 10-metre diving on, yeah. on the way he coaches and what he's brought. Can you just uh, talk yeah. a little bit about that? So this is something that he... he This was well in the middle of his playing career. He was watching an, Olymp an Olympic Games and, and saw something of a... Somehow managed to see some footage of a Chinese... Um, the Chinese divers. Um, it was either during a training session or during the actual competition itself. And the second they'd swum to the edge, um, the edge of the pool after each dive, they'd had a, a little wall or somewhere where they'd projected a video image of the dive that they'd just done. Um, and then it was annotated and, and everything after that. And, and Rennie's taken that into goalkeeping. He takes he every, every goalkeeping session is filmed. He's sort of taken that into that into his own coaching. He has iPads out on the training pitch, and it, if there's a particular thing that they're working on that requires it, he kind of immediately can get the iPad out and show Christian Walton, Ashlav Hladki, or, or Nick Hayes, whoever it is, one of the young goalkeepers, what what's happened, how that can benefit them and then he's talking about how they can take that further apparently there's a, a big golf a golf buggy that gets driven around the, the 
the training ground, which I'd like I need to see now, is a golf buggy with a massive screen attached to it. Um, he wants to see if he can get that working for him and his goalkeepers, but I'd like to see that in action. Incredible. I love that kind of insight because you you always think um having grown up around football and seen like highlights of people like Peter Shilton training and stuff that it's fairly basic sort of training you know people basically hammer shots at him uh, take free kicks he comes out for corners does a bit of work in the gym and that's it but the, the actual evolution that we're, we're getting now with McKenna and his coaches is kind of next level stuff isn't it which I, I find really interesting it feels like it if, if you we we see their team on a Saturday, the team that they're putting on the pitch, and it and it feels the level of football feels really sophisticated, and sophisticated is the word I'd use for it in terms of the things that they're doing. Um, I there are certain managers that have been a bit at Ipswich recently, um, and even just looking around the league, that you can't imagine being this way. I think I think if you now look at Paul Cook, for example, and Gary Roberts, and then look at Kieran McKenna and his coaches, Rennie Gilmartin, Lee Grant, um, Martin Pert particularly, and, and Charlie Turnbull. The difference in terms of what they're doing is really quite stark. Obviously, Paul Cook's had great success in his career um, doing things like taking his players to the boxing gym in Portsmouth and out on team runs and, and things. But this is a different... This this chat with Rennie just kind of hammered home the the difference in what Ipswich are doing now, and sophistication is is the word for it. It's um, it's very in depth, it's very technical, um, and it and it's all done with the aim of giving the players every tool they can possibly have to sort of answer every question they might get asked on the pitch on a match day. So um, it was really really interesting to hear it. Breaking news, Hutchie, just flashed up on my phone. Ipswich Town's trip to Exeter in November is going to be shown live on Sky Sports. Breaking. Well, there we go. What time kickoff? I don't know. I haven't actually opened it. <clears throat> Let's find out. This early, is the big... It's an earlier kickoff. Oh, no. What is it? It's going to be 12, isn't it? That's yes, f- it's 12 that's o'clock. Fine. We can go on Friday. Oof. Oof. That's just a matter of a couple of nights after we we lift all the gold in in Manchester at the podcast awards. Actually, can't they traveling. move the awards? They should do, shouldn't they? What are they what are they doing? Put them in Dev in Devon. The other the other um, thing I took away from your Gil Martin interview behind the scenes wise was the visual image. You said at one point you were talking to Rene Gil Martin and and Christian Walton came in, um, and so you've got Gil Martin, who is about six foot five and about the same weight. Yeah, and Walton, who must be at least six foot five, a bit skinnier. Yeah. And you, I can imagine you never felt smaller. Um, yeah, it's uh, land of the giants. Um, but like I say, once we're sat down, it's all good. But um, yeah, standing sort of between the two of them is, is, is silly. There's a picture of me somewhere um, interviewing Thomas Holy, and like the <laughs> angle that my arm had to be at to kind of get my little microphone thing anywhere near anywhere near his mouth was was ridiculous i'm five foot seven let's let's all just get over it like there doesn't need to be a stigma on it that's that's what i am and, and it brings its benefits mark um however Rene did say that of my height probably was never going to make it as a goalkeeper so, <laughs> at, the, at my age now that was very disappointing to hear because i still had 
still had some hopes. Is five foot seven like how they do in basketball, where they always add like a couple of inches on to, to play his actual height? Uh, what you want to know if I'm padding? Well, in basketball, there's there's a there, there is a, a habit for players being measured in trainers, which you can you know you you, you can uh, see the the reasoning for that because obviously they don't play barefoot; they're at the actual height yeah. of trainers. And so, whenever anyone any players listed, generally the, the rule is you take at least an inch or two off their height. And basketball clearly is. Um, a sport largely predicated around around height. Um, so, are you? Is that five foot seven in Cuban heels, Hutchie? Or, um, uh, yeah, probably. I would say I'm in the five six and a half to five seven range at true height. Yeah, but but no, but no taller. I used to play. I'm, I'm not a very tall man, Mark. That's 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 fine. That's, that's and right. that's and that's just the way it is. That's fine, mate. I used to play basketball with a, a former German Olympian who was seven foot tall um, <laughs> and it was like he was a different species of human. Incredible. Thomas von Stegem played with the German national team in the Olympics. The likes of Detlef Schrempf, if that means anything to you. Um, he played with him and he was unbelievable, Hutchie. This was this was a point when he, I think he must have been around approaching his 50th birthday, but his ability to see things, not just because he was seven foot tall, but the way he played the game, I always say, and, and this is a, a great example of it, that, the elite players in any sport have more time than anyone else. They see things before they happen and they have more time. And he was exactly the same. He would see things before they happened and everything he did was perfect. Like it was such an experience playing with. Anyway, I'm digressing now. Should we move on to, can we come back to this another time? I'm interested more. I'm interested in more about this Absolutely. Man and your, yeah, and your basketball, but we can come, let's come back to that another day. Maybe we can. Uh, the other thing I want to come on to now, and it's height is, a, is obviously a rating. Other ratings include, Pace, skill, speed, etc. in FIFA. And I thought we could have a, a fun little chat, Hutchie, around a, a comment that, that George Emerson made last week in his interview, his pre-match presser, about his FIFA rating and being disappointed slash disgusted that he was rated as slower than Luke Wolfenden and wanting to have a, a race to establish that he's actually the quicker man. He, he talked about getting cameras involved. Um, a, bit of, a bit of support for having it on the final day of the season uh to establish who is actually quicker um so i put a poll out there i think wolfie just edged it i think it was like 54 to 46 percent people saying wolfie's probably quicker um so i wanted to get your thoughts on that having watched them who do you reckon actually is faster and i also thought it might be fun to consider what other jewels town players could have to determine who's the, the the strongest the most skillful for example what do you reckon I think I probably would give it to Wolfenden in the in that particular race, um, because he doesn't use it very often. But when he needs to kind of turn on the the burners to get the job done, um, he's he's quicker than he, he's quicker than he looks. He, he he's obviously quite relaxed and he's he's getting better at putting his body in the right place. He doesn't need to use this the pace that he has got, but. I think he's I think he's quicker than he looks. So yeah, um I would probably just edge edge Luke Wolfenden. Uh give Luke Luke the edge in that duel. Um in terms of the rest of the squad, I want to obviously Corian Darba has claimed to be the strongest player in the EFL. So I think there needs to be just some kind of get him back from Burton, get him in some kind of weight test, and then anyone that wants to challenge him, come one, come all. Until you until he gets knocked off the the perch has have been even the strongest but we need to find out if he's the strongest at the club before who would you put up against him in terms of other other content because you'd say purely on a physical 
appearance, you'd say Edmonton looks like he spends a lot of time in the gym. Um, someone like Cameron Burgess is is huge. He's got a lot of weight behind him. You imagine he's pretty strong. Um, Greg Lee. Like, Greg Lee, yeah. Someone like Sam Morsey, I reckon, is probably yeah. capable of shifting some weight around as well. He's I'd say Sam's probably like the muscular and compact um kind of kind of guy, isn't he? Like like corned beef. <laughs> um he'd yeah. be like that. Um but yeah, he's strong. There's a lot of them that are quite strong. I reckon Freddie Ladapo's could have a could have a go. Um Dominic Ball. There's a it'd be interesting. There's a big, big claim that, that Corey's made there. He's a confident guy. Um, so he's made he has made a huge claim that you you kind of have to prove it if you if you're going to make claims like that you need to you need to prove it. So um, yeah, I'd like what to I'd, see a few of them have a go at him. What I'd like to see is, is different ways of establishing strength as well. You have got your your standard bench press, something like that, which in Darbar I'd imagine would fancy himself at, but also strength to body weight ratio, which is really important. So like a pull ups test, for example, where being heavier is actually a a bit of a disadvantage. Um, how much how often and how how much can you move your own body weight can you lift your own body weight um i think that would be good that, well that that is where the, the muscle hamster connor chaplin will a great will, shout will, will, will come Unbelievable into shout. In, in, in that test i think he would definitely be the front runner for that i even think someone like you know like um caden jackson someone on that someone yeah. who's kind of light and wiry but I reckon probably can can do pull-ups till the cows come home. How about other yeah. things, uh, Hutchie? Skills. Is there any kind of skill challenge you'd like to see? Who do you reckon is the most skillful player at town? Edwards. Kyle Edwards would yeah. have a would have a little crack at that, I imagine. Um, he would maybe be, be favourite for that one, I'd say. Um, I'd just like to see them all line up and have... I'd really like to just prove the pace thing once and for all. Every single player line up one end of Portman Road, 100 metres. Yes, and then you see they'll all finish in the order that they need to be in, and then then we'll know once and for all who's the who's the quickest. In terms of in terms of extra content for town and Marcus, you can have this for free. I know you listen. Um, Let's do an Ipswich Town Superstars event at the end of the season. Um, Do literally test all sorts of different things. Do you know who I think would win all round? We're talking strength, pace, agility, jump. Greg Lee. Do you think? You'd put mm-hmm. him as a, a, I would just an all-round guy. Absolutely all-round. I think he's a he's a different level of athlete compared to everyone else in that squad. At least on the eye test, having physically seen him play, he just seems to have this way of moving that, for me, indicates that he's 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 an unbelievable athlete. Mm. By all accounts, Panucci Kamara would smash any kind of ten thousand meter run yeah. or something. He's by all accounts we've obviously not seen him yet, but he can uh, he can run all day. By, by the sounds of things, so um, he'd probably probably win that. I'm sure there are some members of the squad that would be well up for that, and others that would find the idea of doing this absolutely ridiculous. But um, <laughs> but I think I think I speak for everybody here when I say we'd love to see it. Absolutely, pay per view. I'd pay a tenner for that. Whack the uh, the bleep test in there as well. I'd pay twenty for that. The whole package. Do it at two separate events. It's which town superstars. It's which town bleep test. I'll be all over that. That's exactly the sort of content I want to see. Um, right then, Hutchie, a slight change of pace before we hit mailbag. Um, the boys on Monday talked about uh, the sad news that we got on Saturday about John Duncan passing away, former Ipswich Town Manager, um, and sort of talked about him um, 
their kind of thoughts on him. But I, the reason I wanted to, to talk about John is because I kind of have a, a, a personal kind of connection to John, which I think is important. You know, we talk about him as a manager and, and what he achieved and what he didn't achieve maybe and, and that kind of thing. But in terms of kind of me physically having a connection with him, um, he was one of my granddad's best friends. My granddad was like a an early strength and conditioning coach, I guess you'd call him. He was an athletics coach and then got involved in things at Derby County through that. So he he got to know John pretty well. John and Roy McFarland were two of his best friends. And when I was a, a teenager um, in sixth form, you know, doing sociology, uh, I was doing a dissertation as part of my course. Um, and the dissertation was around racism in football um, and, and how much of an issue that was. So I contacted um, through my granddad, uh, John and Roy, and they both took time on several occasions to sit with me um, on the phone and talk to me. Um, which was was fairly staggering. This is the season, by the way, that John Duncan's Chesterfield reached the semi-final of the FA Cup. So it was a big season for him. They got to the the last four, almost beat Middlesbrough, if you remember that game. Um, this is when Kevin Davis was like a, a teenage phenomenon. Um, and John was always incredibly generous with his time and would spend like half an hour on the phone to me talking about various things and, and football as a whole, um, which was great. He was He was a really, really nice, decent guy. I know he wasn't, in terms of Ipswich Town, the most successful manager that that Town ever had. But in terms of my dealings with him as a 17-year-old, as a he didn't have to do that. He, he didn't have to take that time to do that. Um, but he was incredibly giving of his time and really interested in in what I was doing. Um, so I thought that was probably worth mentioning by way of passing um, yeah. in terms of John Duncan nice. as a man. He come, like, I've got no... Hmm connection to John Duncan I never watched his teams play I don't really have any knowledge of that period of Ipswich Town's history if I'm if I'm completely honest but what's been incredibly clear both through what you've just said now and some of the tributes to him that have, have come um since his since his passing is that he he was just a just a top guy like you say Ipswich is a bit of a block um his time in in, in charge isn't memorable in it, mm. it kind of came as the empire fell in 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 terms of Ipswich's days under Bobby Robson, it was like the the last remaining embers of that. Um, but it, it just sounds like he was a top bloke. Everyone speaks incredibly highly of him, and, and what you've just said um, feeds right feeds right into that. Mm. Uh, another note on that: I also got involved in Ipswich Town and Norwich City. Um, Ipswich Town sent me a, a personal letter, and all the players took a questionnaire that I'd put together. Every single one of them did it. Um, including a couple who really took it seriously, Bobby Petter especially. Um, Norwich City, totally ignored it. Just saying, just saying. Doesn't surprise me, Mark. <laughs> right then, from that then, shall we go into mailbag now, Hutchie? I thought it was important just to to mention that by way of um, personal experience with John. But anyway, shall we do mailbag? Are you are you ready to, to warm up and, and give us that vocal? Yes. <clears throat> Mailbag, mailbag, it's time for Mark and Andy to dip into the mailbag. Do, do. Wow, that was a jazzy like that. remix. A that was different, a, wasn't it? Yeah, was, it, was that, did you know you were going to do that? Did that just come no. out? Was that... No, it's just, you know, it just comes when it comes, doesn't it? It's, um, when you're a creative. It's yeah, just... well, yeah, just when you, when, <laughs> when you, when you've got a voice like mine. The voice of an angel, um, you can do whatever you it, want with it. It just comes, it just comes. Um... <laughs> right then, friend, I'm going to start time on a tradition with non-football and a question that I've included specially for you because it's in one of your kind of sphere of interests. Nigel G, friend of the show, Billy Bass, 
Um, he sent us a picture. He says, just sitting down for some nice Indian food, one of your your specialist subjects, Hutchie. Um, and he says, which chutneys are your favourites when you have poppadoms? This is the stuff you want. Do you prefer mild or spicy? I've just got the picture up that Nigel um, sent. It's, it's, yeah. a ba- it's a bass. It is a bass. Um, I love spicy food, but in the world of poppadoms, I am a mild guy. I try and stay away from the onions at that stage. The onions are still to come yeah. in the meal. Um, at that at that point, I'll stay away from kind of the onion, onion chutneys and stuff. Um, I'll go I'll go with the milder stuff. The man, your mango chutneys, your writer, maybe the one of the very very bright yellow things that you might get <laughs> the yogurt thing. In Leicester, when I used to live in Leicester, I don't I don't know what it was. There was this kind of like sweet red almost like a powder i don't know what it was um but that used to come that's obviously there's a, a, a big hot spot for indian food um mm. this kind of red sort of almost like a wet powder i don't know if that if you can imagine what that might it sounds it tastes better than it sounds but that was delicious but it's on the milder side of things that's what i'm after um at that stage of an of an indian meal i've got to say a wet red powder doesn't sound particularly appetizing. doesn't does it but it I'll, go, I'll I'll try and get up to Leicester at some point soon, and um, I'll report back. We need visuals. Uh, I would go mango chutney. Obviously, is tremendous. Yeah. I also, and it's the only time I ever really enjoy this. Eating that, you normally get just kind of chopped raw onion, don't you? You whack on a poppadom. Absolutely love that. Yeah, meal. this is. I opt out of that. That's not at that point of the meal. That's not what I'm after. Um, the onions are still to come. Okay, for me, but that's that's why they put out a little plate of five or six of these things, isn't it? So everyone can do it their own way and do do things differently, or you can be a mentalist like Stuart Watson and just smash your hand through the. Oh, see, no, we've had this chat before, haven't we? But that it's it still lingers. Like just like Stuart and I, we went out for a curry together actually last season at some point, and Mm. we had this kind of standoff about whether he was just going to get his hammer hand out and smash everything to pieces um, it's such a selfish and presumptuous act that that i will smash these poppadoms into smithereens typical of the man i'm afraid mark yeah, absolutely what can we say what can we say right then um football question simon wants to know hutchie the american owners and this is this is a good point a couple of uh, people brought this up actually have kept a noticeably lower profile so far this season both on social media and in person have you noticed this too and do you think that's a coincidence or a conscious decision. Last season, we had Brett Johnson sharing images of injuries that he'd suffered while celebrating a town goal and that kind of thing. We've not really seen much or heard of them at all, have we, this season? No, no, we no, and I definitely have noticed it. Um, I think, I think it probably is a conscious thing. I'm sure there there, there are reasons for it. I'm not, I'm not sure what those are, but I think everything that they do is is kind of a conscious thing, and it certainly won't be that they've lost interest in Ipswich Town. Um, They'll be watching all the games. I'm sure they've all got other things going on in their personal and business lives. Um, but I, and this is just—I I don't know the reason for it. But for for me, it maybe feels like it's kind of their 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 kind of work is is done, and it's kind of hand let's hand things over to the the, the boots on the ground, the people that are running the club on a day to day basis. Mm. Let them let them do the talking, maybe. Um, but it certainly won't be that they've lost any kind of interest, that's for sure. I'm sure they're I'm sure they're loving what they're watching at the moment. Mm, interesting stuff though. Um Carl Day wants to know, and you've got you've got your shirts behind you, Hutchie. Is that Fiorentina? 
No. Is it? I mean, that sponsor looks kind of. Is that kind of Japanese esque sort? It of? is. Yeah. It's. Uh, we'll get to that one in a minute. It's one. I've I've seen this question in advance, and it's um, it's part. It's a discussion point in that. Oh, okay. So we'll... well, I'll ask the question. Carl Day says, based on Andy's shirt collection, you have to sell one, wear one for life, twenty four seven, and burn one in a bin. Which would you choose for each circumstance? First things first, I'm not happy about wearing a football shirt for life 24-7. <laughs> it wouldn't be what I chose. But um, um, the one behind me, which people, you can't see if you're not watching on video, it's purple. Um, mm. it's, a, it's a Hiroshima, um, ah. San Francisco Hiroshima shirt from Japan. And I really, really like it. And it might be the one that I wear for life. I'll bring it a bit closer for you, Mark. Hopefully this will go out on video. Obviously, Rossi's still in Dublin. We'll hopefully get this out Saturday. That's really nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I quite like it. Purple. So it's sort of, I it's love sort of purple. purple with with uh, like a kind of check effect on it, dark purple yeah. and light purple, um, and an eye catching sponsor. So that's the one you'd wear. Actually, what about the one you'd sell and the one you'd burn? Um, I'm I am selling a really quite dull Argentina away shirt that I've got at the moment. That's I am selling that. If anyone wants to buy it for a tenner, let me know. Um, because it's dull and it and it means zero to me. Um, what's the other one? Burn, burn. You wouldn't burn any of them, surely. I would. I'd burn my Russia shirt. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's good. Political statement as well. I exactly. Like I've, I, the problem is, the problem is, right? Objectively, it's a it's a really lovely shirt. Pure objective shirt. Mm. I've, do you want me to show you it? I would. Yeah. Wait there. Have you got Keep, it to hand? I've they're all to hand, mate. Don't hold on. Okay. So for those of you not watching, Hutchie's up. He's off. He's going to the back of his rack. He's coming back. And we're about to see this Russia shirt, which is a beautiful thing, but obviously doesn't tie in with his, his ethical standards. Wow, that is a nice shirt, to be it's fair. really nice. It looks... Is big, that like a sort of deep, deep red? It's hard to tell. Really deep, yeah. yeah. And everything, everything's gold on it as well. The rest of it's gold. Adidas is gold on it. Um, but yeah, as I, I, think I, I think I heard you saying, well, I didn't have my earphones in. doesn't tie in doesn't no. tie in with where i'm at as a person i'm afraid so if i had to burn one um i'd burn that one there's a supplementary question i've been meaning to ask you actually on kits Hutchie. Um, we might as well talk about it now because we're talking about kits i am inspired by your success making major bank selling off football kits i've decided to start selling off some of my old um nfl and nba jerseys uh and getting surprising amounts of money for them actually i've got a michael jordan 45 shirt from which was bought in America at the time he, re- he returned. And that's worth three figures, apparently. So I'm... Uh, yeah, that will be. That. My question to you, though, everything on, in American shirt sales is predicated on the number and the player in terms of its value. If you've got a, a bull shirt from 1995, which has got Randy Brown on it, for example, ain't going to have anywhere near the same amount of value as a, as a Jordan shirt, especially the 45, which is so rare. Um, is it the same with football? Are there... Do you get higher values depending on the number and name on the back of the shirt? Yeah, in certain in certain cases you would. So let's take an example. Um, a let's say a France shirt from the nineteen ninety eight World Cup one that the one they wore then would be worth more with Zidane ten on the back than it would plain, for example. But the big the big issue now is that people kind of re. I think people know that and people have done an incredibly good job actually of kind of recreating the printing. So a lot of them you will see people have got the original shirt 
and have done an incredibly good job of kind of remaking the printing and putting it on there. So you could well be getting a shirt that's 25 years old from France 98 mm. and then some something that's made in 2022 with Zidane stuck on the back of it. Um, and to me, that's not, that's not value. That's not, no. that's not what you want, but yeah, I'd say it probably is. I think even if like, even if you had, I don't know, an, an Ipswich shirt from, I've got some Ipswich shirts on this rack rail behind me. I've got one with like Axel Dahl on the back from, from 2000. That's probably worth more with that on the back than it is just plain. But mm. um, big issue in that, in terms of the the authenticity of the actual printing now. Yeah. I would say. Okay. Interesting stuff. Right then. Another football question, Hutchie, and it comes from the Sweet Welsh Prince, Harvey Davis. Again, that's something that a couple of people asked about Kieran McKenna, obviously linked with another job this week. And that's something I'm afraid we're going to have to get used to. Um, he wants to know, with Kieran McKenna's stock only rising, when is the right time to think about a new deal? Yeah, he's going to he's gonna get linked with jobs, isn't he? Left, like, left right, and left, right, and centre. Um He's got a long time left on his deal, um, but Ipswich have shown in, with with players, haven't they? In recently, like Wes Burns signed a new contract within a year of signing for the club. Luke Wolfenden signed a new contract with plenty of time left. I think McKenna's runs. To, I think I'm right in saying McKenna's runs to 2025, so still two seasons after two full seasons after this one. So it's no. Um, there's no kind of running down of contract fears there, but but I think a big principle of Ipswich is rewarding excellent performance. Um, personally, I think there might obviously a different ownership. I think there's maybe a bit of a lesson to learn from from Paul Lambert here. I'm not, I mean, I'm in no way suggesting that Kieran McKenna and Paul Lambert have got the same Ipswich Town destiny. I, we've said so many times that, that what Kieran's doing here at Ipswich has got the substance that it didn't feel like Paul Lambert's Ipswich had um, and didn't have. Um, but uh, I think maybe the time getting promoted, yeah, getting promoted and then, and then really look to extend or improve that that deal at that point, I would say, ten-year contract, life. Yeah, give him the give him the part. Give him <laughs> the, the party. Yeah. <laughs> right then, um, can also, I just add? Paul Lambert's contract is still he's still his his Ipswich Town contract. He's still got years left on that contract. Wow, just, just like that went to twenty twenty five, didn't it? So that was crazy, wasn't um, it? That is it is slightly mad that Kieran McKenna's contract expires at the same time as the one that Paul Lambert signed. Is Paul Hurst still on the contract as well? <laughs> oh, no, I think. Oh, have we got well, multiple? No, it might, his might have gone in the summer. They've just gone. Okay. okay. Um, James Gulk wants to know, Hutchie, which is a good question, actually. What does Andy think about the demise of his former subject, Worcester Warriors? Which is oh, one of man. The, first, the first teams you cut. Is that a Worcester Warriors shirt you've got behind you, in fact? Is that. Uh, yeah, my left over my left yeah. shoulder. Um, um, yeah. And he says, P.S. Did you meet Cecil Duckworth in your role? I don't know who that is, but I'm assuming you do. Yeah, I think I just quickly. I get I, I, some some listeners might know, some might not. Worcester Warriors are were um, are ish still a, a mm-hmm. Premier Premiership rugby team. They're the first team that I 
first team that I covered had two and a bit really good years with covering covering them. Um, but recently, in the last year or so, they've they've had a real tough time financially, and have um, basically a, a key element of the club was liquidated a couple of weeks ago. The club, the 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 company that kind of holds all the players' registration and pays the club was liquidated. All the players are free agents. They've been suspended from the league. They've been relegated. Um, and at the moment there is no rugby team. I think the club still exists in, in certain ways, but parts of that are in administration. So a very, very sad story with some, um, some real questions that need answering about, um, about how that was allowed to happen, how the owners that took it to that, to that stage were allowed to be in that position to do that, incidentally, I think those owners are involved with those people are involved with Morecambe Football Club, so there's a bit of a League One link there. So it's very, very sad, um, and there are a lot of people very angry about the fate of a brilliant club. Um, Cecil Duckworth, that that was mentioned in the question, this is why it's so sad. Cecil Duckworth um, built that club from nothing. It was a community rugby club essentially who played like in the Midlands League, um, but he he built it up from his own he's a very wealthy man but he built it up it was his love uh he put everything he did um into that built a brilliant stadium um it was his club he died a couple of years ago um um and was a really good man and yeah I did I met, I met him plenty of times really good really good man loved Worcester loved rugby um so for his club to be in this in this state is really 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 sad um and there are some elements of, of of that that are really quite despicable really we don't need to go into them now but um yeah to answer the original question it's incredibly incredibly sad not a great not a great uh time for the clubs i've covered of, of late because the speedway club that i covered in swindon that's that's gone as well um in the last couple of weeks so uh yeah not not great mm, yeah um Right then, a few more. We're coming up to 15 minutes, but let's let's take a few more. Uh, where are we? Vadim wants to know, Freddie Ladapo's finding his feet, but not exactly prolific. Do you think he's any better than Macaulay Bond? Would you bring Bond back in January for a run-your-socks-off 40 to 60-minute roll each week? No, probably not at the moment. Um, and I do I do think that Ladapo's better than, than Macaulay Bond, yeah. Um at this point, probably, probably, probably no. Um, okay, no. cool. Um, Dave Gort wants to know, I work at Stansted and had a lovely chat with Ross the other morning. Now, we know this is true because he Ross was so excited about being recognised at Stansted. He, he, he WhatsApped the group, the group chat to say he'd been recognised. So uh, thanks, Dave. You made Ross's day. When you fly through there for next season's pre-season tour, one, where do you want to be flying to? And two... Will you all be wearing as much Adidas clobber as our Ross? I'm, I'm led to believe that Ross was clad head to toe in the, the three stripes. He always is clad head to toe in the three stripes. Always. It's it's, it's ridiculous how much <laughs> Adidas clothing that that lad both owns and wears. Um, so I think that it's safe to say the answer to question two is no, definitely not. Yeah, definitely very. Not. It's very safe to say that that. I, I don't actually think I own any Adidas clothing um, off the top of my head. Um, Apart from football shirts on that rack, I don't think I do either. Mm-mm. 
How about where would you like to be going for the preseason tour? It's America, isn't it? Surely, Hutchie, we've got to be going. Yeah, that'd be all right, wouldn't it? Yeah, probably. Um, my gut instinct would be to say like Iceland or something, but um, no, actually, United States, please. Oh yeah, Scandi tour. That'd be that right would. Up. Yeah, I mean, that would be right, right up where I want to be. But um, I think we're going to Phoenix next summer, mate. I've got to be honest. Um, Sounds good. Couple more here. Uh, Mark Beck, good one. This uh, you're used to dealing with sources. Let's talk about other types of source. You're restricted to being a one source man. He's talking here about a condiment. Uh, this will be your default source with all meals from now on when you elect to have sauce with. Which sauce, single source, are you picking? Brackets, ketchup, you cannot have. So uh, I thought quite a lot about this. I've got my thoughts. What are your thoughts, Hutchie? Uh, my thoughts are I've not put the thought into it that you have. Um, my gut's telling me that gravy. Is is probably wow. is probably the way I want to go with this. Um, You're not putting gravy on a burger, though, are you? Why not? You could make it really, really thick. Wow, that would be um, that would be an experience. What 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 are you putting on there then? My th- my thought in this is mayonnaise because it's utility. You can add stuff to mayonnaise, which can give it different qualities. You can add a little bit of lemony, a little bit of chopped up. Um, gherkins make it kind of a tartar sauce if you're having it with fish you can add a bit of chili to it to, to spread on top of a burger yeah. for example um so I, i'd go mayo because you can you can adapt it um it doesn't just have to taste like mayo you can add flavor to it whereas you could add you could add that to gravy <laughs> great you're having you're having lemon flavored gravy on a, yeah. on a fish <laughs> you, have you tried it Who's to say exactly so you're get you're going gravy. I'm going I'm going mayo. Uh, oh, and also Benson's here. He's on oh, the camera. Yeah, he is. Can you can see him? There he is. Look. He's definitely he's definitely awake. You're doing there a good is. job. There he is. Hello, mate. He's Long time no down. see. He's going to sit down and go to sleep now. Um, while we're on the subject of food, we have another one from our old friend Tony South Tony Southgate, who says that Stew and the Porker. They told a story on on Monday's pod about upsetting the the steward at Morecambe by having curry sauce with the chips from the shop that he sent them to. What's your favourite weird food combination, Tony wants to say? He says, mine's mayo, we're just going to talk about mayo, in a bacon sandwich. I can see that being quite... I've never tried that, but you can... As long as you're... I would say as long as you're rescuing kind of the the juice of the bacon, the fatty juice of the bacon to go through the mayo and the saltiness, I, I think that would be quite nice, actually. Might have to try that. My favourite weird, when we're talking weird food combination, is something I've mentioned before on here, is um, gherkins or pickles dipped into peanut butter. Yeah, that is odd. You have mentioned that before and it's still still odd now. I'm telling you, try it. It works. You've got the kind of, the the kind of uh, sweet sort of tang of the the gherkin or pickle, depending obviously what, what kind of juice it's in. And then you've got the kind of, the nutty, smooth richness of the peanut butter. It works really, really well together. Um, so I'd absolutely advocate trying that if you've got both to hand. No, thank you. you don't um, no, it's not for me, mate. Neither neither of those things are for me. And I, I can't imagine that they're going to make the other better. Um, I used to mix Marmite and um, sort of cream cheese together when I was a kid into one to make them into kind of like a one 
one entity to go on toast. Yeah, it's I can nice. see why. I can see why that would work. Uh, and the other, that, it's not really, it's not weird. In fact, it's a classic combo now. Is um, bacon maple syrup is an absolute classic combo. I think a few years ago it would have been considered weird, but now it's it's very much in there as a as a combo. Can I tell um, you a combination that I, I've probably told you this before? A combination that I tried once that did not work. And I think I think I have told you this before, but obviously red wine gravy is is a classic, right? That's that's fine. Um, didn't have any red wine, so I put some Ribena in. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely horrific. <laughs> it's not the same. Did that not just taste incredibly sweet? It was dreadful. Absolutely, it was. It was, but like obviously, gravy's really salty, so it. It was just an absolute aberration. It was, there, disgr- there was disgraceful. There are some really overrated, weird food combinations. Everyone goes on about putting chocolate in a chili, for example, or having chili in, in bars of chocolate. For me, that's really, really overrated. Um, chili, chili in a bar of chocolate, I like, but mm. chocolate in a chili doesn't do anything. Doesn't taste. No. It. Doesn't can't taste it unless no. you're putting. You have to, you'd have to put way too much chocolate in there to. Like a mole, it's like a proper kind of Mexican mole, maybe, but I don't know. Like it. Right, two more questions, actually, because we've still got the Milka Cup to come. We've got um, so much still to come. And we've hit the hour. We don't want to be here all day. Um, let's see. We've got two more questions. We'll take we'll take Tom Baines next. If you were a card on FIFA Ultimate Team, got no idea what that means, what would be your rating and best stat? You can also have a random non-football skill included as part of the card. So you're on FIFA, Hutchie. You're five foot eight in football boots. Mm, seven. Yeah. Um, what what would be your rating and, and best stat? And what non-football stat would you have on there? I mean, my rating would be awful, wouldn't it? Let's be <laughs> let's be quite honest about this. What these we're talking about Ipswich players at League One level being in the sixties, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Their I think, ratings. I think Cameron Humphreys is like fifty something, isn't he? Where the hell would I be on that well, scale? All of us. Let's four all of us. Yeah, <laughs> like, let's, let's be real about this. Um, I'd do well to get a rating, um, but my first touch would be my best. Would be my best attribute, I think. If if there is an if there is an attribute for that, yeah. My um, my my rating would be pretty poor. I guess probably my highest rating would be injury prone. Um, now I'm, <laughs> I'm of a certain vintage, shall we say, uh, injury prone eighty eight. I think my best non-football rating would be teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've invested quite a lot of money in my in my chompers, so I reckon I'd be up there. I'd be up there in the nineties. I'd be up there with Bobby Firmino for teeth. Um, <laughs> Is he the man my... you've modelled yourself? On? <laughs> no, you can see Bobby Firmino from space. I mean, his are ridiculous. I mean, to be fair, he spent about thirty grand on his, whereas I spent considerably less than thirty grand on mine. Um, but yeah, so that would be mine. How about yours? Your non-football rating. Um calves yeah or cooking <laughs> yeah cooking yeah i'm all right i'm all right cook um you know what i am really good at i've worked i've realized i'm really good at now you know those little you know those electric scooters that you can just rent yeah in the city just off the side of the road yeah i'm really good on them how does that how does that manifest itself when you say you're really good you're I racing can, them i'm not racing them but i've got i'm, I'm, I'm well in control I can hit. I'm flat out at all times. Good stopper. Do you know where I reckon this comes from? Because 
you ride a bike a lot, don't you? Yeah. And I've seen you on a bike. Your bike handling is tremendous. Um, so definitely a notch above a, a normal human being on a bike. So I reckon that's got to help you on, on the scooter. Possibly. But yeah, I've I've recently discovered I'm I'm quite good at them. So scooting will be my top uh, top attribute. Teeth and scooting. There we go. Um, right, final question. It's a big one from Beckles is blue. He's going bacon. He's going big. He's putting all the chips in. He says, if Ipswich win the league, how do we celebrate it and how far do we go with it? He says, I feel open top bus is too much, but we're a fan base starved of success. He says, I'm a season ticket holder for 21 years and I've not seen a thing. So how do we celebrate? Surely an open top bus it's got to be, hasn't it? As a as a as a standard starting point. I get I get what you're saying um, about it feeling too much because in the grand scheme of Ipswich Town, League League One isn't up there with what the clubs won, but they haven't they haven't had it they haven't had anything where you've needed to even to think about an open top bus for more than twenty years. Think about it. So actually. you have to. It, I think it has to. I think now it would have to end with some kind of gig in the stadium. Um, 100%. that would be that would be what it would have a big a big party in the in the, in the stadium on the pitch someone performing i think we all know who the the the, the kind of the, the most ideal candidate for that would be and that would be charlie simpson from busted <laughs> before <laughs> um but but yeah, no, I think I think if they win if they win the league this season, you go all out and celebrate it. Do the do the town hall, do the do the do everything. Really, it's it's twenty two decades since well, Ipswich had it, anything. Had, had you anything. Say, you're saying this, you know, the context of what Ipswich Town had done before. Yeah, that's true, but they haven't done anything for years. I mean, yeah, we're talking exactly. almost almost quarter of a century, Hutchie. They're coming yeah. up on now without doing anything. So if they do go up, win the league, whatever, I think we should go all in. And that idea of a, a concert at Portman Road, maybe some kind of procession leading to Portman Road and then a concert, Ed Sheeran's got to bring out the big guns, all his pals, all his showbiz pals, get Beyonce there, Jay-Z, <laughs> all, 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 uh, all, the, all the big guns. Well, when, when, I was covering, when I was covering Swindon in the first year that I did them, they won League Two and they did all of that and it ended with a, ended with a concert at, at the county ground. And uh, headlining that were Top Loader. There we go. In two th- in two thousand and twelve, and Paolo Di Canio sang "Dancing in the Moonlight." Nice. Her- There's a video of it on YouTube. It's horrific. His singing <laughs> is so bad, but it was brilliant. They just you got um got Kieran McKenna up on stage with Ed Sheeran singing um what would he sing? Shivers or or um or get him up there with with Busted and do like. Year three thousand or something that would be great. I want to see him getting involved with Stormzy, um, doing some sort of some sort of rap. McKenna, I reckon. Get Kieran. You could get um, Kyle Edwards up there. Yes, it's a promotion team. Don't lie, this thing ain't easy. <laughs> I love it. I thought it was really good. It was surprisingly Kyle good. Kyle Edwards that. track. Yeah, I really like it. Before we it's move good. on, Charlie Simpson as well. Quick story. I used to in, I interview him a lot back in the day when I was a news reporter and busted for a thing. So I used to spend quite a lot of time speaking to Charlie. Lovely bloke, very posh. And one of my kind of party pieces was because I had his number and he changed his number after a while. Um, so when you rang his number, you just used to go to his answer phone message. And he'd be like, hi, it's Charlie from Busted. Blah, 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 I'm not around. Leave a message. And I'd give it to my friends and they'd all be wowed by me giving them a number for Charlie Simpson's answer. And phone that's message. why he changed his number. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. That's mailbag done, um, which was exciting, Hutchie. But now we're coming to the piece de resistance, the cap on this brilliant 
hour-long show, which is the launch. Well, we've already launched the Milk Cup. Where are we at now in the Milk Cup? What's happening today, Hutchie? I am agog with excitement. Well, this week has seen the first um, first legs of the preliminary round ties played. And my goodness, did it throw up some games. This is only the first, only the first leg has been played of these. Um, do you want to see the results? Here we go. Bang. This is the preliminary round first leg. Yeah. I'm going to turn that music off because it's misbehaving itself. Um, yeah, preliminary round first leg. And I can run you through a few of the games if you want because there were some really big, really big moments in a few of them. So Absolutely. first up on there is Vlasnia Skoda 1, Peda Limaskond of Estonia 3, and Marco Juric scored a really good goal for, for the home team to start off there. But Andre Florov, oh, yeah. Edgar, Edgar Tour, and then actually Ragnar Klavan, who used to play for Liverpool at centre-back with a thumping header, um, put the Estonian side fully in control there. This tie, There's a tie that really interested me, and that was Trefiore of San Marino against Lower Silesia of um, of Poland. Um, who won the, if you will remember, won the UEFA Regions Cup, I believe of it course. was. But, yeah, um, yeah. but the San, Mar- San Marino uh, side are 1-0 up uh, from that. Luca Ferraro with the first with the first goal. We've got Maikondia, Gorce, Petrov, Nil, Budoknost, two. Um, Luka Mirkovic and Zoran Petrovic um, scoring there. B36, Torshavin 2, Floriana 2, uh, up and down game this one. Uh, the visitors twice led through the Jamaican striker, actually, Kamar Reed, but then Magnus Jakobsen and Eli Nielsen brought the hosts level at the Gunjala Stadium, and it's all to play for in the second leg of that one. Um, Benfica under 19s are 2 0 up on the Andorran side, Athletic Escales off the first leg. Nuno Felix and Gustavo Varea with the goals there. And then we get down to the bottom of the list. There's three really high-scoring games, first legs here. I think this just shows how much all of the teams are going for this. There's a bit of a thriller at Viking World. Viking uh, beat Surbatalo uh, 4-3. Hosts were 4-1 up in this one. Haider Helgi Gudjonsson scored a hat-trick and Solvi Ottersen scored as well. But Irakli Sikarudzi got two back um, to put one into... Put, put this into the balance. So 4-3 Viking were going into the second leg um, against the Georgian side, Surbatalo. Your boys, the Lincoln Red Imps, they're 3-2 up on Crusaders of Northern Ireland after the, the first leg. Um, actually, a familiar familiar name scoring here. Um, do you remember Kian Ronan? Of, of course. Uh, of, uh, formerly of the Ipswich Academy, he scored for Lincoln Red Imps here, uh, as did Scott Wiseman and Liam Walker. Um, but Dean Ebe did get two for Crusaders in this one. So it's 3-2 to Lincoln Red Imps. And then the tie, tie of the round, arguably the game of the round so far, was New Saints of Wales against Racing FC of Luxembourg. Um, Edwin Muratovic gave the visitors the lead after only four minutes of this one, but then on the half hour, he was shown a red card for a nasty tackle on the TNS keeper, Dan Atherton. Uh, from there, TNS in control, Two goals each for Declan McManus and Josh Daniels, but McManus did miss a late penalty before Racing grabbed one back through Dwayne Halter. 
Um, so it's a bit more in the balance than it should have been in that one before two to the new Saints heading into the second legs, which are going to be played next week, Mark. Wow. It's only a preliminary round, first leg, but what a what a round of games there, Hutchie. I'm very pleased to see the boys, the Red Imps, get a win and also Viking Gore because I identify as part of Viking. So um, I'm very much having them as one of my teams as well. Just on a, um, a procedural point of view, do away goals count in this in this competition? No. Okay. So it's no just away pure, goals. Purely on aggregate. Yeah, purely on aggregate. Um, and then obviously second legs will be played next week. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Is this the new official theme tune? Yeah. After some legal wrangles over the first. Yeah. Week. Well, all new competitions are going to have some kind of teething issues, aren't they? This is the official theme tune. I'll turn it up a little bit. there we are outstanding there you go then the first round preliminary leg ties in the books um and the the next round of games will be next week so look forward to that some big wins some big results early doors right then hutchie the only thing we've got left to address on this podcast which has been 72 minutes of i would say gold so far we've done so much we've covered so much ground from the black kit to the milker cup first round the only thing we've got to do is talk about lincoln city coming to Ipswich town this weekend we know it's going to be another massive crowd um, already, I think it's safe to say over 27,000 tickets have been sold. So you're going to get 28 probably through the door in the end on Saturday. Lincoln City not doing too well. I think they're 16th in League One. Obviously, they have Teddy Bishop, formerly of this parish, amongst their number. And I said when we chatted in the green room before this, I said, Hutchie, I'll be honest, I haven't done any kind of research on Lincoln. Uh, and you said, neither have I. But we don't have to say much more other than this is a game that town should win. On paper, it certainly should be. And pretty much yeah. ahead of every game, home game, we're saying that, aren't we? Yeah, um, partic- particularly the home games, isn't it? We want to see Ipswich controlling these games and, and doing what they want to do. Yep, they're going to they're gonna face some like they did against Cambridge, where it's going to be harder work. And there are going to be others where it's a bit more open. But um, yeah, Lincoln, Lincoln kind of a bit of an up and down one so far. They're 18th. They've played two fewer games than everybody else. Um, mm. If they won those, they would be right up eighth. Um, but winning those two games in a row has proven hard for them so far. So I think it, it, without trying to just gloss over the game too rapidly, it is just one way you want to see whatever team is put out by Kieran McKenna. We want to see Ipswich control the game. We want them to score early to mean that that any kind of attempt to, to slow things down and, and clog things up is is not the approach that an away team will take. And um, we want to see a home win. I think that's that's what that's what we want to see from all of these all of these home games so far. Mm. What we really want to see, of course, is million-pound picks as well, Hutchie. Um, last week, in your absence, I gave £100,000 of my own money to Rossi and Stu, and they both spaffed it up a wall with uh, bets that did not come in. So that didn't take away from your pot. It's very, very much separate. There's some confusion about that on Monday. Separate cash. So you still have... Two something Is it? Really. I, I yeah. did want that cleared up. Um, they spat did, it, didn't they? I'm, I made it clear as I gave them the money. I said, This is very much my money I'm giving to you, it's not Hutchie's. Um, so that clears that up. There is no no crossover there, so they've, they've lost all my money. You still have your money. What are you going to do, million pound picks this weekend? Well, I think 
I think I haven't thought about it. And I think I'm th- <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm thinking on the fly. Um these are the hottest of hot takes. Too yeah, if anything if anything too hot. Um I think that I need to get back on the Sam Morsey goal trail because he's due one. Mm-hmm. Um and I've not been betting on it for a little while. So I think that I need to put put that back in today. So I'd, I'd like to know what odds you're offering me for that, for a Sam Morsey goal. But as well as that, um, I think that an assist, an assist for a goal in this game is going to travel more than 30 yards. Wow, what a bet. So it's going to be... It's going to be pinged. Yeah, let's not put a yardage on it. I think we we need to, an assist is going to be the the source of it will be a pure ping. Okay, so you, you're probably looking at someone like Lee Evans or someone like that getting involved with a ping. Um, yeah, the, the ping panel might ping. need to will need to, <laughs> we'll need we'll to need convene to convene on Monday potentially. But I think a proper ping is going to is going to produce a goal here. So a corner doesn't count. That's not more than thirty yards, is it? I think it could count, but it would need to. It wouldn't be kind of whipped in and Edmonton heads it in, for example. It would yeah. need to be like a ping, like an orchestrated ping to the edge of the box where someone meets it on the volley. It's, it's do you know, you know what I mean? Like exactly. Prop, yeah. It needs to be. It needs to be pinged, and I don't think a corner is a ping unless it's a certain kind of ping. An orchestrated ping is the right word yeah, for cor- an a orchestrated p- an orchestrated ping. Yeah, need. so we're looking for something like KV White and Macaulay Bond, aren't we? That lovely diagonal, yes, exactly, that kind of exactly thing. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly okay. that. Uh, I'll give you because Morsi's not scored for a while. I'll give you ten to one on him. He's drifted yeah. from eights to tens, and a thirty-yard ping as an assist. And we're talking direct assist as opposed to. Yeah, I think so. I think. I think the ping panel would need to discuss it, but I think the criteria, the, the bar's got to be quite high. It's not just um, the second phase of a long ball forward. Uh, there yeah. needs to be a notable, meaningful, orchestrated ping. Okay. An orchestrated ping over 30 yards for a goal. I'll give you 50 to one. Let's focus on the yardage. Oh, sorry, not not the yardage. All right, then. Let's not focus too heavily on the on the yardage. I think a ping would need to be more than 30 yards. Really, I'm, I'm talking but, a long distance ping when I'm giving you the odds. I'm saying fifty to one. Well, you're you're the ping, you're the ping panel, so you know, you you'll get the final say if this comes off fifty to one. How often do you see orchestrated pings come off? Not very often. Well, yeah, not very often at all. Um, but that, <laughs> I love those odds, so I'm going to put two hundred grand on that. Wow. Okay. What's what? Are you, what are you sticking on Morsey? Ten to uh, one. I'll go a hundred on him. Hundred on Morsey. What's the what's the current? Uh, pot is it still two point something? It's two with, with that with those two stakes taken out. It's now two point one five million. Cool, right then, Hutchie. That brings us to the end of a very epic pod coming up on eighty minutes now. I hope you enjoyed it, friends. Um, we've covered a lot of ground, Hutchie. Is there anything else you want to mention? There's something I want to ask you before we go, which was you obviously over in Europe last week doing your milk cup stuff, but you also while you were there, you took in some some games, didn't you, or at least a game. Uh, yeah, and some scooting as well. I, don't, I took myself off on a little um, little trip to Italy, and I went to I went to watch Inter against Barcelona on the tu- on Tuesday night, and then I went to watch Juventus play Maccabi Haifa. 
of, of Israel on the Wednesday. So I had um yeah, nice little uh, nice little break. I did a lot of walking, a little bit of scooting. Um and yeah, all good. I love this. Which games did you, you enjoy more? On paper you'd say Inter Barcelona would be one to savour. Yeah. Uh yeah. But I think I probably enjoyed the Juventus one more because it turned out I ended up sitting directly next to and anyone that's been to a game in Italy will know that away fans are kind of separated from the home fans via a via glass. Um my seat was right up against the glass of the Maccabi fans. Um so that was an experience. And they were, were you great. were you in the were you in the ultra section? Um yeah. <laughs> One of the two, yeah. Wow. Um right up against the glass with, with a steward in between <laughs> and just like people thumping on that glass throughout the entire game it was quite an experience. That wow. I, so I think, yeah, I, I enjoyed the Inter-Barca game a lot. Um, they played again last night actually and drew 3-3, which would have been great at New Camp. But um, that was good. But I quite enjoyed the, uh, the novelty of um, having some very angry angry Israelis, one of which was, I thought, was a spitting image of John Watson, one of our listeners, <laughs> um, getting very angry at certain points. And you're um, you're at this game on your own, essentially. So you're just sitting there, yeah. flying solo, yeah, get, getting into it with some some Maccabi. Yeah, they, they were probably a bit, they were probably expecting more from me, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, you know, I got into it a bit, I waved, waved my little scarf around that I had. I'm nice. just going to send you a picture of the guy that I thought looked like John Watson, and you can you can tell me like, this is very niche we're here talking about. Did um have you come back with any kits or anything? Any shirts? No, no. Uh, that was one of the rules when I went that you do not that I did not do that. Oh my god, yeah, he does, uh, doesn't he? I thought so, it was. I, I thought that was a, a young John. Um, who's he does look one, very one much like a young John. And he does look as if he's trying to scale the glass wall to get to you, Hutchie. Uh, um, yeah. He's got his hands on on the glass. Um, that was after the game. I would say a fairly <laughs> a fairly stern look on his face. Yeah. So yeah. big John Watson has a has a, a younger brother in the Maccabi Ooh. Ultra clan. Yeah. I I saw parts of his body that I didn't need to see. <laughs> and, 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 and let's let's move on. Exactly the same as the real John Watson. Um, right then, friends. That brings us to the end, as I say, of, a, of an eighty minute pod. I hope you enjoyed it. We covered a lot of ground from. Black Kits, Attendances, Rene Gilmartin, John Duncan, FIFA Jewels, a lot of mailbag, the Milka Cup launch, Lincoln, and finally Hutchie getting right in amongst it at a big European football tie. Um, have you got anything else to mention, Hutchie? I've got no other business to mention today. Superb. Are you looking forward to getting back involved in Ipswich Town and, and, and back with your work husband, Stuart Watson? Yeah, I am actually. Um, yeah, I've missed I've missed the games in the last last week I, I, have, I haven't watched either of them I normally try and watch them back but I've not managed to find time to watch either of them back so I'd feel a little bit out of the Ipswich Town loop but um, it's never long until the next game is it it's always the next game on to the next oh, one yeah. right. right then friends that brings us to the end of this podcast then just a reminder then to please support our sponsor Manscape. use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery of all that excellent clubber uh, also follow us across all our social media as Kings of Anglia on Instagram Facebook YouTube especially 
and Twitter. And also, friends, we've not had a five-star review on iTunes for a while. So if you're feeling in the mood, you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star review. Uh, more often than not, we'll, we'll share those because we like to see them. It's good to get some feedback. And it also helps us visibility-wise in the charts. More people can find us and get involved in the KOA Army. If you're going to the game this weekend, enjoy it. A lot of you are, clearly. If you're not for it with the boys, Stu, Andy and Roscoe will all be there. And we'll be back next week to break it all down. Have a great weekend and we'll speak to you then.